Welcome to the AV Podcast Games Edition. Hello and welcome to AV Forum's gaming podcast with me, Mark Bottright. Joining me this month are Ben and Steve. Good evening, gents. Hello. Good evening. Right, well, we'll kick off with the news. Picked a couple of stories that perhaps not the absolute largest, but certainly seem to to hint at something that might be happening more on an industry-wide level. Um, A little bit of a Sony-Microsoft spat after uh, Microsoft's Chris Lewis gave an interview, I believe it was with Eurogamer, about um, where he was asked about third-party guidelines, and he basically revealed that they're looking for games that launch on the Xbox 360 to basically be at least simultaneously launched and at the same time basically have the same features and content at the very least. And this has led to a bit of a a bit of a spat and a bit of a comeback from Sony with their SVP of publisher relations Rob Dyer has come out and really slammed Microsoft for this and said that they're they're essentially holding the the developers to ransom and that it, it's it's damaging for the industry is this something that people are in any in any way surprised about i mean certainly when microsoft came into the industry a lot of people mainly um kind of linux gurus and apple fanboys were out there waving their placards saying that they would be bringing in anti-competitive practices and the like but it, it does seem that it's it's to a certain degree come to fruition i mean i mean there has been the odd publisher come out and say that Microsoft have been a bit harsh on it but it's it's not unusual to see that Sony is slamming Microsoft in any way is it really I mean they're bound to come out and say you know they're all in reins and that's why people are turning to us and vice versa but it's just your usual fanboy and Sony and Microsoft spiel and at the end of the day it's just trying to be dominant in, in marketplace yeah I mean I mean it's it's you know on the one hand you could say it's it's cynical business practice but on the flip side you've got to say that both sides are looking to to win a war here, and and it's it's business all round. Whether that's giving developers free reign to do what they want, you know, if, if you have um, the extra capacity of Blu-ray, obviously you're going to want them to do that. If you've got, you know, DVD nines, you're going to want to make sure that no one releases something that that makes your console look poor. So it, um, yeah, perhaps it's been blown a bit out of proportion, but it it seems like it's. Uh, well, one man's savvy is another man's, you know, harsh business practices. But it, it's certainly, certainly interesting that it's it's starting to come to light now as where the where the developers, particularly for for things like the small indie Xbox Live Arcade games and PSN games, you know, where they stand in this current marketplace and how that how that general sector is starting to to bloom and and be kind of constricted in certain ways. I think I think despite people saying they're a bit harsh, I think Microsoft definitely have the most appealing layout for indie developers to come out. So as far as I'm aware, the PSN don't support like indie games like Microsoft does. I don't think, but I mean, even for even for your arcade games like um, like Toy Soldiers and and Limbo and stuff like that, I think it's more appealing to go on Microsoft because I think they've just got a better setup for developers like that in the first place. Yeah, they they do seem to have already almost established their name there. And so it's perhaps this is just a case of um, throwing mud at each other. You know, it it does it does indicate that there's the at least the the old animosity is still there, and, and perhaps in the end it's where's the consumers who who win out. Perhaps yeah. Sony will slash some of their prices on PSN for 
all those PSP Go owners. Just you. Yeah, just me. <laughs> Fair enough. Next story that, that caught my attention was um, Team Bondi going into administration. Recently brought out L.A. Noir. It, it seemed to do well in terms of um, critical success. It had pretty big push from uh, Rockstar, lots of decent adverts on TV and the like. Um, I think it was only the last week they were back in uh, the top 10 in, in the game's charts. Done good business, but um, doesn't seem to have saved them. It's it's one of those cases where you've got a story, I suppose, that's whether it'll ever fully come out, lots of um, tales and whispers of um, of poor worker practices and, and uh, development teams being pushed too hard and the like. And I think there was even an investigation by the Games Developer Association. But I think it's certainly still at least quite a sad day given the fact that here you've got a development studio that took six years to produce just the one game. And, you know, perhaps there's a there's a little lesson in there about polishing that that first kind of foray too much. I mean, it was it was so so in depth, you know, the so many voice actors and recreating forties LA and the like. You know, is do we think that they perhaps were a bit of a victim of their own ambition or or is there more to this story that's well, almost certainly going to come out at some point. For me, I think the big problem with it, it, it was intended to come out on the PS2 or the, the original Xbox, and then it cost the 360 and the PS3 came out, they moved it onto that console, so that's kind of going to make problems in its own. But, like you say, it is sad to see it, because it is an excellent game. There's no denying that, despite its its flaws and how long it's taken to make, it is a, it is a brilliant game. And... I think that Rockstar owned the rights to LA Noir, so we will probably will see another one or something like it in the future. But for Team Bondi, I've made it. It's it's like they've made a game that's sold pretty well and re- like say got good critical critical acclaim, and then they've just turned around and said we're shutting doors. Yeah, I mean it's it's. I think they they possibly would have been better for narrative driven games. Perhaps it's better just to stick out the first game. Let it be more of a rough diamond. I mean, if you look at Quantic Dream with with Fahrenheit, you know that was a game that I absolutely loved. But you can't really hold it up there as one of the greats. But the studio kind of uh, progressed from there and came along with you know Heavy Rain, got the backing, and so you know perhaps this was just stretching too far, or, or maybe there's there's more to the story that's going to inevitably drip out after the recriminations and and the payoff packages. But uh, as you say, Steve, at least uh, it looks like Rockstar will hold on to the IP, so maybe we'll see more of that. Right, moving on, we're going to be having a quick look at what's happening in terms of the games charts. Uh, I suppose the big thing that we're all quite pleased about, or or are some of you sad that Zumba Fitness is no longer number one? I have no idea why you were in first place. It's a, it's a nice fad for people to sit on the battle of and buy, buy the game. It's made this, someone very rich. This is how good it is. The missus bought it and she played it once. It sat there for two months and she sold it. Yeah, I'm quite bitter because I I had a... Oh, well, I didn't have a low. I watched someone else have a low and decided I'd never be able to do any of that, even the easiest stuff. It um, is rock solid. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, yeah. it's too yeah too much for me. It's not a man's game. That's what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't More get of a my spectator physical. sport. Yeah. You don't let in my physical condition by doing things like Zumba Fitness or going no. to the gym. If you've got two left feet, avoid it. <laughs> avoid it. In terms of fitness and sports, I suppose, um, Rugby World Cup 
has gone straight in at number three. Now, I've got to say, I've never been one much for, for rugby games. But, you know, that that's quite a reasonable surprise, given the fact that you've got a fairly strong, you know, top 10 in terms of games that have got a, a decent pedigree of selling and have kind of bounced around that top 10 for quite some time, you know, FIFA 11 and, and Dirt 3 and the like. It probably just is something for sports fans to play until um, FIFA comes out. You know, a game about a proper sport. Stop <laughs> <Not> chasing eggs. <laughs> I've played the demo. Uh, I think it's the least amount of time I've ever put into a demo, ever. I think it was probably about two minutes. I've looked online and it's not, it's not been met with great success in, no, uh, in terms of reviews. Done all right. I suppose yeah. if you love rugby, you're going to buy it, though, are you? Yeah, it's, is, it, is it a monopoly? Is, that, is it the only rugby name around? Well, can you name I another think, one? No, I think no, there is I, another one. I think there I is another one just come out. Um, oh, there's, there's competition. It's, it's going to be a crowded market. I think there's there's a review for Rugby World Cup and another one in the new issue of the OXM magazine, but I ain't got it to hand, so I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't 100% confirm it, but I'm, I'm sure that there is another one. But see, it, the only thing that really struck me about that, other than the fact that it made me realise that I haven't played a rugby game since Jonah Lomu Rugby, <laughs> which it, it's Rugby World Cup 2011, and they've released the 2011 version in September, you know, or late August, early September, you know, and you, then you see, you know, we're about to get like FIFA 12. They're releasing a 2011 version with only about four months left in the year. Do you want some good news, Mark? Yeah. Jonah Loma, or whatever his name is, is releasing another game coming out is on the 9th. Is it an FPS or an RPG? <laughs> the rugby game. Ah, oh, I won't be buying it then. Coming out this week, coming up week. Well, then a big week for rugby games then. <laughs> other than that, it, it's it's a pretty obvious, pretty standard top 10. You've got a Looks like a few price drops are going to be moving things along. People picking up FIFA 11 and Assassin's Creed Brotherhood in the 360 Classics range now. And a uh, few people still still playing Call of Duty Black Ops. But I suppose the biggest news, what's knocked Zumba Fitness off the number one spot, is Deus Ex Human Revolution. Now, I'm pretty sure this is a game we've all been playing, am I correct? Yeah, indeed. So, what do we make of it? I mean, it's this time from Idus Montreal, so we've got no uh, Warren Spector on board. It's it's the prequel to the original Deus Ex set in uh, 2027, so 25 years prior to, to the original uh, tale of J.C. Denton. You now play as Adam Jensen, who's a head of security for Sarif Industries, who are a maker of augmentations and the like, kind of like a massive megacore pharmaceutical-type industry uh, giant. Uh, corporations attacked, scientists killed on the eve of a major announcement. You survive, you get all the augmentations, you come out looking a little bit like Robocop. And it's got massive, massive reviews. Everyone seems to love it. Are we all of the same opinion? Yeah, yeah, what's not to love? Um, it's brilliant. It's it's the As an exercise in world building, it's up there with the best of them. The story the story's great, the atmosphere's fantastic, and it's one of the best stealth games that I've played in as long as I can remember. Right, well, I'll pick you right up on that then. <laughs> one of the best stealth games you've played. Yeah, it's a stealth oh. game, isn't it? Now, now <laughs> we've, we've already had a minor discussion before this podcast started. Minor. Uh, you say it's a stealth game. Now, yeah. Now, they did say there were the four pillars of gameplay. They did say they did. combat, stealth, 
hacking and exploration. So I'm fairly sure they've spent some time on the other three. So what makes you think specifically that it is a stealth game? Um, everything that's, that works well about the game, um, in terms of mechanics and in terms, in terms of really enjoying and engaging with it, is uh, when you're playing it fairly slow. So the stealth elements, uh, taking your time to read through all the material that's there, listen to the news reports and talk to people. I, th I would dispute four ways to play it. I think there are two ways. You can play it fast and loud, guns blazing, running around, or you can play it stealthily and with a lot of attention, which is slow. And that basically equates to the wrong way and the right way, I think. Again, you're equating stealth with slow and shooting things with fast. Mm. Can you not have a slow, deliberate, cover-based shooter? Yeah, you could. Yeah, you could just... Uh, I'll tell you what. You could just, um, just play Gears of War 3 when it comes out, and then you're all set, aren't you, if you want a cover-based shooter? Well, look, they, they've, they've clearly put cover into the game. And yeah. it's it, it's something that I personally think works really well. Now, I I, I was going to say I enjoy shooting people, but that sounds vaguely <laughs> <laughs> sociopathic. I, I prefer, shall we say, to because I love the kind of as you were talking about the world building kind of elements of it. They've they've populated with it, it with so much information and so much to kind of draw you in as the gamer. I prefer to almost clear an area so that I can delve into all all of the little aspects of of the atmosphere that they've painstakingly woven into each area that they've built. As you're shooting people in the face. No, they're already dead by the time oh, right. I'm out the drawers. <laughs> but you know, you can still you can take people down without killing them. They make that very easy to do. And I'm not saying stealth completely precludes kind of any sort of physical contact with anyone. You've got your stun gun. I just don't think you need to go around, you know, shooting everyone. I think, and the other thing is, I th my interpretation of the cover mechanic from the start wasn't for cover-based shooting. It was so that you wouldn't get seen. But then why do they allow you to pop your head over the top and fire? Because I think it's a really good way of differentiating between different um, types of gamers and the way they approach games, in as much as there's a wrong way and a right way, and they give you both options, and at the end you can kind of judge yourself on that. Yeah, and, but... and I would have judged to have been right and gone about it in the right way, savouring it. And, you know, you two, I think, would have judged, you know, be judged to have gone about it the wrong way. And they've given you that rope uh, with which to hang yourself. Credit to that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I mean, uh, there are some areas where you might want to, at some point, not in stealth, I mean, is the opposite of shooting things. I'll give you that. But you have the opposite to lethal and non-lethal way mm. of shooting people so therefore you could take people down is that still part of your stealth element yeah then? yeah i think it's all right um to take people down if you know if, if you absolutely have to or if you feel like you know, there have been times where i will hold my hand because this is quite a difficult game i think that's a that's one of the points about it i don't know how, how you two feel it's not the easiest it's not it's it's a it's an adult game as, a, as opposed to a kind of mature content game it's actually it feels like something that's meant for grown-ups and i think that what goes along with that is it's a little bit tougher in places especially if you take the stealth through and there have been times definitely where i've taken people down but not killed them so i'll go for the non-lethal takedowns or the stun gun but I, I still reckon that's because my of my inability to do it completely stealthily 
Now, one of the one of the criticisms has been though that if you go down the stealth route, which you claim to be right, to a certain extent, you're almost pushed out of that choice because they've they've implemented now boss fights. Mm. So therefore, if you've gone, I mean, this is is it an FPS? Is it an RPG? You know, and I'd still argue that they wouldn't have you know made it an FPS if they didn't expect you to shoot people, but if you if you augment Jensen to the point where he's the ultimate stealth uh, maestro, and then you come across one of the big boss fights, then to a certain degree, it's it's almost like saying, well, then there isn't necessarily one choice that you can follow all the way through. Surely, it's true, it's true, and it is it is difficult with the boss fights. Although I understand with all four of them, there are well, not only are there ways of not of killing them without weapons, but there's ways of uh, getting them to kill themselves. Is that what you've heard? That there's, in effect, you can go through the whole game without killing a single person. Although I can't see how that would be. I, don't, I know you can you can kill the bosses, and then it won't count towards your kill count, but I'm, I've not heard of anything. Oh, is that what it is? When you kill the boss, it just doesn't count towards mm. your as far as, as far as I know, you can, you can kill the bosses, but no other person. Fair enough. Yeah, it, it definitely ramps up the difficulty. And it, and I have to say, I was one of the people that when I hit the first boss, I thought, oh, you know, this is this is a little bit unfair uh, because mm. I, I didn't even have anything that shot proper bullets on me. And then this bit like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had nothing, I had nothing. So I had to, well, I don't want to say what I did because if, we're not going to do any spoilers, but um, I had to find another way. Yeah, I mean, one thing... You know, we, we've talked about different ways that you can play it, but one thing that's that's universal across all of them, I think we'd all agree, is is the sense of atmosphere that um, they've managed to to create. I mean, the the score in particular, you know, it, it's kind of slow synths and and it's vaguely unsettling. It's it's a a, a bit maudlin. It's very kind of Blade Runner. You know, it, it feels cinematic. And I suppose the last game to really do that was probably. Well, the only games really in recent times that have done that well have been Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2. It's something that a lot of games should actually start implementing now because it's actually, along with like the game itself, it's an art in itself really because it improves the overall experience as well. So it's it's one thing that I think that every game should include now. Uh, like a like a tension building thing, you know, when you're shooting someone at first like you, then it should be high tension and then if you're sneaking about like Ben, then it should have, you know, build attention in a different way so it's it's one thing that I'm glad to see anyway yeah um, I mean and just briefly on, on a s- side note talking about Mass Effect what did everyone make of, of the kind of this version of the word wheel where you don't get any of the the Mass Effect moments where you know you select something and like with Shepard would say you know almost the entirely the opposite or mm. ramp his emotions disproportionately to the to the to the situation here, you select what he's going to say, and he says it. It's 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 very simple, surely. Yeah, yeah. It's good how he can see what he's going to say as well. Before I saw it, if if you'd have said to me this is the way it's going to work, I would have said I don't think it's I don't think it's a great idea. But playing it, I think it's perfect. In fact, I think you know some of the conversational bits where you where you talk your way round situations. Um, some of those conversations feel. Like when you're you're trying to achieve something and you're looking at their reactions and listening to what they say, it feels almost more realistic than the Alain Noir um, conversations did. 
Uh, I really feel like I, I know that if I say this thing, it, it's going to kind of mean this to them. And you don't feel at the end of it like you've kind of been ripped off by the way that the, the direction the conversation's taken. I think it's really well done. Yeah, uh, and, and they the way that they kind of um, implement it with particular um, moments where you can try and um, persuade someone to do something and the like. And, and you know, they've managed to weave that into into the plot as well. So it becomes something that you genuinely care about rather than necessarily being a throwaway conversation that you're having all the time. There are moments where it will be vitally important and it can have unforeseen consequences, which I suppose is is another thing that you come back to the world they've created in that there are strands of the story that, that go off at tangents that you can change so much from one mission to the other, but these moments will come back in some way. So, you know, the narrative doesn't stop. It doesn't carry carry on down one linear avenue there are there are key decisions to be made which is you know the stamp of any any decent rpg these days there was one other thing that i wanted to mention um about it as well that i think is really well done and that's um you know so much of the the kind of uh, the periphery of the story is just generally how people feel about augmentations and what i think they've done really well is rather than have this kind of real polarized thing where there are people that that think it's terrible and people that are really for it those views are in there but they've covered the shades of gray really well like you'll speak with some people and they'll say well you know in principle it's a really good idea but what if it just ends up being rich people that have access to it and not poor people and they've really really thought about the kind of the whole politics of it um and i think that all of that really adds to the atmosphere as well and kind of your involvement uh with the characters oh yeah i mean they've 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 certainly try to to fill everything in with shades of gray mm. it's and and they've they've also managed to to mirror a lot of things that are kind of happening today and and familiar issues you know the the whole question of um you know mega pharmaceutical type companies and um you know you've got industrial espionage and and playing god and the like and terrorist groups mm. and conspiracies you know it, it's all very kind of end of the world but also very very now yeah yeah uh they've they've paid so much attention to to those details and, and you know building this believable world and and i particularly enjoy bumping about the place looking at you know the little props things like their proptacular magazine or something that's sat on a coffee table <laughs> little things you know darwin's origin of species and you can spend an absolute age reading you know things like the ebooks that are lying about you know it, it's amazing to think that someone's invested the time to write all these things but at the same time there's one one little aspect of of building the world that also affects the gameplay that I that I have to really complain about and that is the air vents now you've got like a multi kind of billion dollar corporation that's got you know the world's greatest security you know you've got armed guards everywhere you've got cameras that can detect detect you know movement or body heat or whatever and yet at the same time every room seems to need ventilation from at least a 3 foot high vent that you can get into just by kind of prizing off with your hands you know is this kind of the last of the great cliches that in video games design they have to almost throw in just because it makes things easier or is it just a kind of a bit of a cop out to design a level that ultimately you can bypass through an air vent now i mean right. the, the 
events were in the in the original, weren't they? That was a, it was it's exactly the same. It was a bid part then, and I think they've just carried it through to a bid part now. But I do agree, there's probably ways in which they could rethink it to achieve the same effect, but without something so flimsy plot-wise. But what else could you use though? It's, it's I know it's as deft as it sounds, and it is a problem, but there's there's not a lot else they could actually. Well, I mean, you, you've got augmentations. You've got a guy who can, you know, built like a tank or something. You know, punch well, a hole a... in the ceiling, crawl along loft space. <laughs> some, you know, something. It can turn yeah. invisible, but that's not permanent, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's. It, it, I suppose it, it was just one of those one of those instances, mm. like you said, Ben, where they where they they've taken something from the original, and and I suppose for. For a lot of fans, that will be enough that it, it's it's come from the original, and so therefore, you know, they want to emulate that to a certain degree. And there are there are lots of nods to the original game, but I just think in in this day and age where where um, gaming has moved on to a certain degree to to keep with entire areas that can be bypassed through air vents, and for them to be quite so copious in number is you know, just a little bit taking your eye off the ball in regards or, or taking the easy route with regards level design. Generally speaking, the level design is really good, I think. Although we complain about it. it's good how, it, how they're there to offer you like different ways to get there and it caters for like to feel to play whichever way you want. I mean, because some events require you to like go around and collect like three crates and stack them on top of each other and then get in it. So it's like it's good how it offers you that sort of freedom as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it's very much a minor quibble in what is possibly a game of the year contender here. You know, they've they've yeah. put in attention to detail. They've they've clearly made sure that you know the weapon mechanics uh, are, are there. You know, they they haven't thrown about too much ammo. They haven't turned it into a straightforward FPS. You've got great kind of RPG elements where you can change augmentations to to suit the way that you play. You know, they, they've taken virtually everything that was great about the series and just just carried it on so you know small issues aside it it's certainly it's up there for game of year contender yeah yeah easily although i'm reluctant because i always said the same thing about portal 2 and i think i'm enjoying this more and when you look at the lineup coming up over the next few months there's any one of a number of games could end up being game of the year yeah very true very true right well we'll move on from there onto something that we hope becomes a little bit of a regular feature and uh, as we've been talking of all things FPS or regards Deus Ex thought we'd look at a past great and give a bit of a re- retrospective view and after last month's revelation that, that some <laughs> on the team felt the golden eye aged poorly <laughs> they shall be named nameless yep and tying in with our look at Deus Ex and a, a modern powerhouse that's that's helped breathe a bit of new life into a fairly stale genre, we thought we're better to start than with Rare's 1997 N64 classic GoldenEye. Now, I know there's one amongst us who doesn't feel that it's it's too great a game these days when played, and that that bar retro nostalgia it doesn't hold up so so why don't we just randomly go to you ben <laughs> see last time when we had this there was that we were split there was two two each and now i'm by myself i feel like i'm under attack a bit you um, are i was playing you know i got the n64 out and i was playing it not long before now before recording this now and it doesn't stand up and there's a number of reasons why it doesn't stand up but I'll just hit you with three of the, that I made a note of as I was playing it. One, controls. 
controls the controls have moved on so far since then it's almost impossible to slow back um having the look left and right on the stick as well as the move forward and backwards makes it almost impossible to get strafing right um it's really awkward to hold the pad and it's really awkward to move about how you want to that's one Two. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was three, not one. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> no, that was one. No, controls one. Let me. I'll, I'll rattle them off, and then you can tell me why I'm why I'm right and why you've seen the light. Two graphics, frame rate, uh, and the general glitchiness of um, of the overall package. And three, the terrible AI. There, go for it. Right. Well, uh, I shall destroy your points in three easy <laughs> steps. Then. <laughs> Number one. Which control scheme are you using that you're you're looking around and going left and right with the stick? The default control scheme that they wanted you to play with. You should be going forwards, back, and strafing side to side with uh, the buttons on either side, depending if you're lefty or righty, and using the stick just to look around. I had a look at well, I had a quick look, and that didn't seem to be an option. But I'll I'll accept it if you're right. But regardless, using those four buttons in place of a second stick, doesn't work. Well, yeah. all right, then we come back to then the, the question about you've got um, limited amount of options with those old controllers before dual sticks. Mm. Now, that was absolutely praised at the time for the controls there. It was very much... It, 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 it was phenomenal to use to use an um, analogue stick for, for See, an and, FPS on and a this console. Is how this is how I'm winning this argument, Mark, because the thing is that if we kind of say, but it was brilliant at the time, then we're not talking about how it plays to pick it up now. And to pick it up now, it doesn't work. And I would agree with you at the time, almost everything about that game was amazing. I loved it. I played multiplayer as much as anyone else did, and I never had a bad word to say. What we're talking about, though, is picking it up now and playing it. And I'm saying it doesn't stand up and those controls don't stand up. All right. Um... I'll, I'll take you then to... 1-0. <laughs> All right. Standing up, what about the variety of the weaponry? Now, you can play a dozen different FPSs today and you will still not see weaponry that can be used in most of them in different scenarios like they could in GoldenEye. You know, most of them don't use three different type of mines. You could throw a proximity mine. You could have a timed mine. You could have a remote mine. You know, how many of them have tank levels, for God's sake? You know, there there was, they introduced um, a little bit of tactics to the type of gun that you're using. Now, it, you know, look at something like Crisis 2. Can you really say there's a great deal of difference in the, in the type of guns that you're using? <laughs> well... you can pick a lot of things up about it that a lot of individual elements that do stand up i mean for me i mean as you probably would have gathered i was all all about the silenced what was it the silenced pp7 or whatever it was the standard pistol silenced that's what it was all about when we played multiplayer we played pistols one shot kills um so that kind of that side of things while what you're saying is true that's not really kind of what stands up for me Anyway, all you're saying is it's, just, it's, it's got the same sort of range that other games have still got. Yeah, you can choose a few guns. Brilliant. But there again, it, uh, if you, say, judged anything retrospectively by damning critical standards like that, is, is there any game that you'd say necessarily does hold up as Loads. well? Loads. Loads. Look, t- take, for example, just a, a, a 
Mario game, one of one of the only one of the decent Mario games through the years, side scrolling platforms, they stand up completely and they stand up because what they were based on, the slope of the game was fairly simple. And if you were making that game today, you could more or less do the same thing. You know the games like the the one iPhone games like Angry Birds. Angry Birds will stand up a long time from now for people who like it because the mechanic is so simple. There's no need. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a fan of it. I'm just using it as an example. Um, yeah, but, but the key the key phrase in that in your wording was for people who like it. Yeah, for people who like it. Yeah, because I'm people who like no. No, you're missing the point. Because for people who like GoldenEye, they will have played a number of other first-person shooters since then that will have, where, the graph, where particularly the controls uh, and the and the AI, I think, is quite important as well, will have come on so far it kind of renders the original game unplayable. But what? But for something like uh, a side-scrolling platform game, you can even look at them now. Games like um, even games like Shadow Complex, that they're not that far f- removed from what a game like Flashback was doing all those years. All those years, and I sound old. Though you know, that has been doing in the past if you've got a fairly simple idea for what you want to do and it's a fairly simple delivery of that idea it will stand up but at the time goldeneye was groundbreaking and now it's been surpassed and it's been surpassed in such a way it makes it unpleasant to go back right well i still (laughs) i still don't agree (laughs) but you've you've completely you've picked apart um the single player and i've got to say you know all right the the ai by today's standards doesn't really hold up that great um i'd still say it's it's fairly simplistic ai and it's still i still in, enjoy it in the same way that say i would playing something like like doom you know that that hasn't really changed you still know the enemies are going to populate certain areas you know they wander back and forth as kind of bland little sprites but it doesn't change that the game is enjoyable but what no i I'd agree I'd agree. I, I think, in fact, I haven't played Doom for a long time, but I played Wolfenstein not that long ago, and I think it stands up better, better than Goldeneye does. Do you think that's that then because of the say the simplicity of something like Doom? You mentioned like Mario because the mechanics are based on very simple ideas that yeah, they hold up. That's exactly it. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll take that point. I'll take that point on board. But I've got a feeling that we're never likely to agree on this one. <laughs> so shall we? Should we agree to disagree and say that it was one all? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we need we need a referee. We need to, we need some people to to maybe post on the podcast thread and and tell us uh, about how I won that argument. Yeah, there, there is a golden eye appreciation thread floating about somewhere. Yeah, I shall post I'd... a link in that. <laughs> Listen, just look I, at all the comments on that. I, I appreciate it as much as anyone else. What I'm saying is, I don't want to play it anymore. No, no, that that's completely fair, and I think that's that's a sound moment to end this <laughs> this war of attrition. <laughs> right. Well, shall we finish up then by having a quick look at the release schedule and what we're all looking forward to next month? Anything that grabs people's eyes? I mean, you you've got Gears of War three, you've got Ooh. Resistance three, quite a few decent games coming out in the next month as well as you've got the the release finally of the on live service yay Steve <laughs> <laughs> not best pleased because your internet can't cope with it it won't even load the main screen so that says something done it really yeah I'd say you're going to have to wait if I, if I can't use it then it's crap <laughs> <laughs> end of <laughs> that's my view um, about stealth games 
<laughs> oh, what does he can't do it? Ooh. No, it's because I choose not to do it. <laughs> Too afraid. Um, Dead Island is out as well, isn't it? Imminently. There's, there's Batman Arkham, Arkham City as well. That's next month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now yeah. that they've already far. started pushing all of the all of the collector's editions and the like for that, as well as for uh, Gears of War 3. So there are quite a few quite a few money spinners coming out in the month of September. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to uh, Raid in October as well. Yes, that will be that will be a good one to see. Um, also, finally getting is this a uh, little sign that um, perhaps we'll be getting uh, some of the decent games on Xbox Live Arcade of a, of a slightly grander scope that Resident Evil 4. Now, mm. There must be a few people mm. left who haven't played it, but you know, to finally get that, if you think a few years ago you thought that that would be appearing on you know a download service, is pretty significant. Oh, they're releasing it physically as well. There's a bundle with something else, I think. I'm not sure. I'm pleading ignorance. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, so one game that we're all looking forward to, each of us picks one that we hope to be playing or have played through this time next month, I'll go for a little bit of an oddball one. Uh, Very much intrigued by El Shaddai, Ascension of the Metatron, just because it's got a great title, but also the designer, Sekiyesu Suwaki, was one of the character designers on Devil May Cry and Akami, and it looks certainly like it's gaining a bit of a cult following. Uh, Ben, your pick? I think I'll go with Dead Island. Um, that first trailer was brilliant, and hopefully it'll, hopefully it'll be a good game. I'm looking forward to it. Solid zombie action. And yourself, yeah. Steve? I'm going to go for Connect Rise of Nightmares. And you'll be hoping for one, finally to get a decent Connect game then. After about a year, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, well, thanks, Steve, and thanks, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. And you've been listening to the AV Forums Gaming Podcast with me, Mark Bottright, and we shall see you all again next month. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.